The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, Beth Moore explains the power of God's grace in our lives. Grace is power. And grace is not our permission to stay, it's our power to go. Anybody get that with me? Grace, if we would get this through our heads, grace is what gives me the power not to stay in my sin, but to be able to say goodbye to my bondage and leave it. Finding the freedom that is encased in grace as we spend Wednesdays in the Word. You're so kind. Welcome to Life Today. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I are thrilled uh, to present to Beth Moore. We have Wednesdays in the Word, and you know, at Beth's suggestion too, we've been bringing in some other teachers to share because she said, I want to do that. I love to share. But she is talking about encased in grace, Betty, mm-hmm. and uh, she's really going to kind of cut to the chase in a lot of ways and show you just how powerful grace really is. How about you just Give attention to Beth Moore. Would you give her a good welcome? Here's Beth. One thing we are trying to get straight is how loved we are by God. Just a very simple concept. Jesus loves me. This I do not know. That's the problem. We're singing something that we're not convinced of because we're living out of our true belief system. Our true belief system is not in what's coming out of our mouth. It is what is coming out of our action and our behavior. We are living out of our true belief system and how it departs from what we're saying is where we have got this space between our theology and our reality. And those things need to converge because God's word is for real living. Listen, he knows the real stuff we're dealing with in our homes. I have problems. I mean, real ones. We, in our family over the last year, we've had heartbreaks and uh, great disappointments and, um, and asked God, what, why did this happen here? What, what happened here? My girls have gone through tremendous heartbreak over the last year, two very, very different kinds, but extremely deep. Um, and, and my family, we've got the real kind of problems, uh, just like you have. And God's Word, it's not this archaic um, book that does not apply to our here and now. It jumps off the page. It's a living word. This is what separates it from every other book, even every other um, religious book you could possibly find. These are living words, the breath of God on the page. So when I'm reading, it is living revelation. It jumps off the page and into my experience. And literally the very feeling of the word, um, even if I never use it that day, it's putting strength, iron in my soul, strength in my bones. Uh, We love the word of God around here. And just so you'd have a word of testimony from me, you could not have met anyone more broken of mind that was still walking out on the streets uh, than I was. 
just broken in such bondage uh, to uh, victimization and then stupidity. Has anybody just followed up victimization with just pure stupidity? I mean, I don't have I don't have anybody to point to for that one. I mean, that one just comes right back to me. I have to take responsibility for it. And I've been those places. I know what it's like to think that you have finally outsinned God's ability to forgive you, and you cannot do it. You cannot do it. You cannot outsin his grace for you. You cannot make Jesus stop loving you no matter what you do. You cannot hide from him. You cannot get away from him. He loves you. And listen, if you're sitting on the other side of that screen hearing this, he has come for you. Amen? Because we're letting him mess with us over our confusion between the law and grace. I want to give you a little bit of foundation here so that you know, in case you're new to the terminology, that we're not talking about the law, our civil laws and our government. We're talking about legalism that says, I have got to do a certain thing, behave exactly this way. I've got to be perfect or Jesus will not love me. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And in knowing that there's nothing we can do to get rid of him, that we, are, we live under his favor, that when we receive him as Savior, we become a child of God. We live under his unmerited favor, nothing we can do to earn it. When we get that mentality into our heads, that's when our behavior starts changing. That's when bondage begins to break. That's when dominion loses its power over us by way of sin. That's what we're looking for. So we're in the book of Romans for a lot of our series right now. So turn with me to it. I want to recapture where our uh, baseline is through this series in Romans chapter 6. I want to read verses 6 through 14. This will come out of the first half of the series. 6, 6 through 14, and then I want to look back at Romans 4 just a little bit. Let me tell you, just to catch you up to speed in case you're new with us, we're building five points together, and we've already built three of them. Let me tell you what they are. Number one, some things in our lives need to hear the words. Can anybody tell me what those two words are? No longer. No longer. I mean, we, some things that have had mastery over us and dominion over us need to hear a very loud no longer. I want my insecurity to hear no longer. I want my fears to hear no longer. I want my addictions to hear no longer. I want all of this stuff that wants to hold me captive to it in sin. I want it to hear the words no longer. It does not have authority over me. I'm giving it the leash. It cannot take it over me because I'm in Christ. Number two is this, a life no longer enslaved cannot be lived under the law. Now listen, this is the biggest concept we're dealing with in the, in the entire series because what we're learning is that as long as we live under the heading of the law, we've had two um, captions put over us um, up here above where I'm standing. We've got the law and then over here we're talking about standing under grace and that the more we stand over in law, the more legalistic we are, and we think it's going to make us better because we live under a no-you-can't mentality. No, 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 no. Listen, we are created in the image of God, a God that in Him is every yes and amen, 2 Corinthians 1.20. We have a natural compulsion toward a yes. We are people in the image of God looking for a yes. Anybody know what I'm saying? And so when we begin to find that God is going, the only reason I will ever tell you no is because I've got a better yes. 
ever, ever. There's not a single thing he has ever asked you for, a single area of obedience, that when he's ever said, no, I don't want you to do that, that it wasn't because that no was going to keep you from a brilliant yes. So yes, God, yes to abundant life, yes to freedom, yes to security, yes to competence. I mean, can we just talk pure competence here? Do you know what would happen out in the world if the world began to see Christians as people who are competent? I don't mean arrogant. Competent in our workplaces, in how we serve and how we love. We're competent, effective people. We're not going to do that over there under the law. We're going to do that under grace where we got a yes on us, that we live by the yes of God. Yes, I have so much for you today, child. Yes, I have victory for you. Yes, yes, I have freedom for you. Number three was this. It's time we see our lives under the heading of grace. Under the heading of grace. Let me read our key scriptures. Romans 6, starting with verse 6 through 14. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer, those are our two words, be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Let me, let me pause here for a second and talk about what could be the expectation for us as human beings occupied by the Spirit of God. Um, one of the key words we want to work with is the word dominion. When something has dominion over us, mastery over us. As long as we're alive on this planet, this side of heaven, you and I are going to be, we're going to have flaws. Uh, we're going to fail at things. Uh, we're going to sin. Uh, we're still going to be confessing sin and being freed from it and cleansed from sin. But we can very well be out from under slavery to sin. That's what you want to be looking at specifically, where we are dominated by it, held in mastery over it, where we're in bondage to sin, whether it's addiction of some kind, compulsions of all sorts of self-destructive kinds, um, all sorts of uh, substances, uh, pornography, sexual addictions. Um, when we've got this thing in us, God was really putting on my heart not too long ago that there are people that are just driven to steal, just driven to it. I'd never even had the thought come cohesively to me before that there are people just addicted to theft and thievery to get away with seeing what they can steal bondage to sin that we can very well be out from under and we're meant to be in Christ in verse 10 for the death he died he died to sin once for all but the life he lives he lives to God so you must consider yourselves dead to sin verse 11 and alive to God in Christ Jesus now 12 through 14 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. 
I want you to see those words because they become the driver of the weeks we have ahead in our series. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Flip back a couple of chapters to Romans 4 and let's just read those first couple of verses. In Romans 4, it says this, verse 1, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So it's telling us that, listen, you want to know what God credits as righteousness in us? Our faith. When we come to him and say, I believe you, I believe what your word says about you, and I believe what it says about me and the work you have done in my behalf. And it says in these beautiful words in verses 5 and 6, and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. If someone doesn't think that is good news, you are not getting out enough. <laughs> that he does not count it against us. That he forgives us. This is so scandalous that some people are trying to get their loved ones away from the TV because they're just convinced that the way they're going to get out from under their sin is to stand over here under legalism and be better. And it doesn't work. Our freedom is under the grace heading where we know we have the love and favor of God that cannot change nothing we do, nothing in our behavior. Nothing can change it. Nothing can dent it. And that is where I am freed up from my shame to stand in the power of the name. Now, listen, we've been talking in class together about our spiritual neuroses and we've been putting uh, some, some labels on it and take, taking some tests to see just how we score on it. And it's been so interesting to me to have a little discussion with some of these. I would love to hear from you about it. As long as we're talking about these kinds of conditions, I thought I'd throw out the word eccentric to you. Eccentric in case any of us are a tad eccentric. Because I did a little looking and we're just doing spiritual metaphors here. But you know what that word eccentric means? That ek is the word, um, what you see when you see an exit sign. It means to be outside of. Centric, the center to be outside of the center. Um, part of the definition of it is located elsewhere than at the geometrical center. Here's what you and I are learning. In Christ, everything is eccentric. If it is outside this geometric circle right here, everything that circles the cross, where those crossbars cross, that is our center right there where Jesus was on the cross. That's where our center is. If our center is anywhere else but the cross of Christ, we're under the law and we're enslaved. And we're finding our freedom because we are under grace and not under the law. Now, here's, here's what I'm just convinced of. Uh, I want you to see um, verse uh, 20 of Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 20, that says this. 
Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Think about this where it says, now the law came in to increase the trespass. It makes us more aware of what it is we do that falls short of the glory of God. It was useful. It was good. It was good. We just don't live under it. We live under the power of the cross. And so what I want to suggest to you is this, that under the law, as long as we stand over here, sin increases in us. We think we're going to get a grip on it by just doing good things. But the more we become um, defeated at it, the more shame we bear, the more we get into our head, we'll never, ever be able to get this together. And all it does is crush us under its weight. 614 in Romans is our key verse. It says these words, and I want to emphasize one word in particular. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. That's what the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, and I love it. We're learning in this present series that grace is power. Grace is not our permission to stay in sin. And this is what gets us all messed up because it's the reason why we want to move an, a loved one out from in front of the screen on a, a, on a subject matter like this because we're so afraid that they're going to think this is licensed to sin. Grace is power. Grace is power. And grace is not our permission to stay. It's our power to go. Anybody get that with me? Grace, if we would get this through our heads and if we would just let him release the power of it in our persons, grace is the power I've got to be free out from under it. Grace is what gives me the power not to stay in my sin, but to be able to say goodbye to my bondage and leave it. Oh, boy, do we need that amazing grace. Let me just pray for you. Father, what Beth is saying, we all need. We don't ever reach a place, God, where we don't need the amazing, abundant, sufficient grace. And so often we find ourselves moving over into a sense of condemnation, lack of worth or value or hopeless helplessness sometimes. God, would you help us to really take hold of what Beth has shared and the grace that you offer us freely and so fully in Christ for every person watching who just needs to receive your grace. Let them know how much you love them, how sufficient you are to cover every sin and to lift them out of despair and defeat in Jesus' name. The telephone number that you see there is always there as a prayer line. Don't hesitate to do what many will do. They will call and say, I need to experience a measure of grace. Pray with me about something because we want to do that. The telephone number, it's paid for by love. And I hope you'll call. Betty, this is our emphasis on drilling the water wells. And we really need a miracle outpouring. Um, would you please help us? I want you to watch. I want you to look in on a scene that I know is going to move you. Listen to the loss, but listen to the request and the hope that is needed here, and you and I can provide that. I think you're going to want to. I think you'll actually be excited about it. Watch closely. Watch closely. 
ຈັ່ງຕາຍຄົນຫົມນາຄົນຂ້ອຍມີຕະປູນນະຫົມອະປີສາຕະປີຈ້ອງບານຕຶກສານປະຊົນມີຕຶກສານຫົກຄົນ
Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the brand new Free To Be Me 40-Day Devotional where Betty shares the challenges, victories, and insights God gave her while struggling through fear and insecurity. You'll also receive Betty's book, Free To Be Me. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request Life's Inspirational Coffee Mug Set, featuring encouraging quotes and scripture to brighten your mornings for years to come. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. When you look around at the water in front of me, you can see, you can see that it is a source of water that is not life-giving. It's so heartbreaking to see some place that is so peaceful, yet is producing such death. It makes you sit back and think like, what could I do to change this situation? Like it, it's got, there's got to be a solution. There has to be a solution. And the beautiful thing is that we know that there is a solution and we have people on the ground right now that can make a difference, but we can't do it ourselves. We need you. If we could come in and drill a well for these people, it would serve over a thousand people. A thousand people, one water well. So I'm asking you today, if you would partner with me and do whatever you can, anything will help. Go to the phones, go online, and don't hesitate. I mean, the, the, the problem is here and the solution is here. They're both here, but we need, we need you to help. Please, won't you do something today? Well, we're anxious to send you the material that will bless you. Thank you for going online or for dialing the number and using that card, that bank card like a check. Thank you so much for your help. God bless you.
all the things that I was fighting with before, you just let them go and you give them to him. Former linebacker and now film star Brian Bosworth, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.